Welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast, a hopeful and helpful resource from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church in Utah. Each week we will be hearing from our staff as we explore what makes SMCC unique, as well as what it means to be fully devoted and fully delighted in Jesus Christ. We hope this podcast can be a helpful resource for you to take your next step with Jesus. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Fully Delighted Podcast. My name is Adam, and I get to serve as the pastor of Central Ministries here at SMCC. And I've got Trevor and Eric with me uh, today. This is our kind of normal lineup. Next week, it won't be. Next week, people get yeah, something different. Yeah, yeah. Next week, I am uh, have another trip planned and yep. just continuing to build the right relationships in my life so I can be healthy, mature, and so I got another trip uh, where... Once a year, I meet with my life team, and we plan the year and and uh, do real real soul level check in. So I'm looking cool. forward to it. I didn't know it was your life group trip. Yep. that's good. It's my life group trip. Just so happens oh. there's pr- pretty golf courses and pools and things too. So. Conveniently, yeah, it's Phoenix in the in the middle of March. <laughs> I would go to Phoenix right now. <laughs> yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah, very cool. Well, today we wanted to start with something a little bit different, and I don't know if our listeners know of this option because it's an option that we haven't actually mentioned in a little bit. So uh, just bear with me here. So occasionally, people will send us questions, and we think they're great enough questions that they're worth an answer. And sometimes it's like, oh, this would be helpful for listeners. Well, I'll tell you, this question that we got from Stacia, she grabbed me in the lobby on a Sunday and said, hey, I got some questions for the podcast. So of oh, course wow. you can email your questions. Well, that, cause that's what I told her. I said, Hey, shoot, shoot me an email. Yeah. So, you know, we can print those questions and bring them to the podcast recording. But, yep. um, just so the listener knows this, this podcast exists to equip you. And so if there's mm-hmm. a question that you have, grab, um, grab one of us in the lobby, of course, shoot an email, you know, DM us through social, whatever way you want to connect. Uh, we're here to answer some questions. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, if there's like an easy answer of how to get those questions to us, it's easy enough to just email our general inbox so just be smcc at smccutah.org so if you've got one um yeah we might uh, we might be able to share it on the show so we need to we need to look at this question before we even jump in for the the kind of message review for this week mm-hmm. so if you want we can just read through some of those questions and have adam yeah the first question is about baptism which is a fantastic question it comes yeah. up quite often um this person, Stacia, she describes her religious background, which includes a few different church contexts, religious contexts that all talk about baptism differently. SMCC being one of them, that the way we talk about baptism is different than her previous upbringing. And um, so she has a question about First Peter chapter 3, verse 21. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the verse seems to sound like baptism saves you. The language seems to be worded that way. And so she's looking for some clarity there. So Trevor, do you want to... Read that for us and explain. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so picking it up kind of at the beginning of the sentence, halfway through verse 20, in it, uh, in reference to the ark, the flood story back in Genesis, so in it, in the ark, only a few people, eight and all, were saved through water, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and keep going here through verse 22, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers and submission to him. <laughs> well, we, were, we were processing this earlier, and you said this is a symbol on top of a symbol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Almost on top of a symbol. I think you got, yeah. you got Noah's Ark being used as a historical um, example of, you know, a typology, so to speak, in some ways. And then you have 
the baptism thing. And then you have that pointing to dirt, it, which, you know, he's talking about like, okay, is this physical dirt? And then he goes all the way into the resurrection. So wow. take us through it. Clear it up, Trevor. Yeah. Um, I mean, in the, in the flood, right, the flood was sort of representative of God's judgment or is God's judgment, you could say, and they were saved through the ark. And there's even kind of an interesting theme in early Christian art, like in the, in the catacombs, right, that uh, early church, first several centuries, there were times where uh, you can actually still go into the Roman catacombs, I've heard, if you're in, you know, Italy, uh, Rome, I've never Dang. been there myself, but mm-hmm. you can go check it out. And there's artwork down in there, and some of it is um, like of the, of the actual ark. Uh, seeing within that sort of a symbol of the way that Jesus saves us through the judgment that we deserve because of our sin. And so that was really a theme that developed. I mean, we see it right here in this passage and became really important to the church in the first several centuries. Um, But additionally, I think when you jump back to the passage, you see that uh, that's being used as a symbol for explaining how baptism works. And baptism is really a symbol for uh, how we are saved by placing trust, by placing faith in Jesus. And I get that the language in verse 21 can be a little confusing, and how it says, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, can seem to communicate that baptism is the thing that saves us. And I think there's a few things I'd want to say about that. The first one being that when it comes to understanding something like this, it's important to take into consideration context, not just uh, context within the letter itself or the passage around it, but also just the entirety of the Bible. So to see what the rest of the New Testament says, like Romans 6, for example, uh, Matthew 28, different passages that touch on baptism and give us a fuller picture of what we're working with and help us to really you know, use the clear to move to make sense of the unclear. So mm. that's helpful. Um, I think the other thing would be that uh, at this time in church history, uh, there, there's sort of a different culture than what a lot of us experience in the West, where when a person came to faith in Jesus, that they trusted in Jesus, baptism was something that just took place naturally. Like you read the day of Pentecost, people place trust in Jesus and baptism happens. That uh, it was a different kind of culture where there were social, social consequences that followed from placing trust in Jesus. And so uh, there was really kind of like, this was the community you were all in with, that you leaned on, that they became your family and your support and your community because of the consequences that stemmed from Hmm. placing trust in Jesus. And honestly, there are places in the world that are still like that. Um, Think of like kind of 1040 um, places like like Turkey um, and, and other countries like that. To some extent, I think people even experience that to some degree in our culture here in Utah. Yeah, to a certain um, degree, that's true. To, yeah. yeah, to a yep. certain degree. Um, but by and large, in the West, uh, there's a greater possibility culturally for people to place trust in Jesus and not experience baptism immediately. And I think that's fine, because when we take those other passages into consideration, uh, even in this passage, how he goes on to unpack that it's actually the resurrection of Jesus, mm-hmm. which can only happen if he died. You can only rise back to life if you've died first, uh, that that really is the thing that saves us when we place trust in Jesus um, in his death and resurrection. And baptism is just something that we go through as an act of obedience, as an act of devotion, uh, that then you know, it doesn't save us. It's just something we do joyfully to honor Jesus. Yeah, that's great. I, I would just add this. <clears throat> um, she had this question here about, you know, what's going on in the original language. One of the things that makes um, biblical interpretation challenging sometimes is the way prepositions work. And, uh, you know, a preposition is the word that comes before a word or after a word that links it to what came before or after. Sort of this bridge between concepts, if you will. Yeah. And prepositions... Um, 
they're just challenging to interpret. So, you know, in front of us, guys, there's a table and prepositions would help us know, is it on the table, over the table, next to the table, underneath Mm -hmm. the table? And then how does that, so it positions things to an object, um, preposition, it positions something to an object. And so you have to ask the question, um, what is this preposition doing in the Greek language? What object is it positioning us to? And then how do we even translate that into English? And so there's a couple prepositions. Well, there's one preposition primarily that's a bit challenging. It's in verse 20. You were saved through water. So when it comes to a preposition, you have to ask, is it because of the water, by means of the water, in accordance with the water, passing by water? What's the position to that object? And through is definitely a problematic preposition, especially in English, because, um, you you know, if it was like, uh, I got a master's degree through Multnomah Seminary, okay, did I, you know, in what sense did I get it through them? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you can, you you use the word through, we use the word through in a lot of different ways, prepositionally. So... You have to keep that in mind, and that's what makes it hard. So when we read preposition through, we mean you have to do this to get this. And by means of that thing, we just have to remember there are other uses of prepositions. And so we can kind of slow down and take our time. The interesting thing is that through water, uh, in Noah's story, is they were saved out of the water. Like the water was there, but it didn't crush them. They were saved kind of out of that judgment scenario. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Um, they didn't perish under it. They floated on top of it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what is Peter trying to get at here? It's a bit challenging. Now, how that relates to baptism is in 21. Man, this feels so nerdy, guys. Tell me, am I boring you? And then he says, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. I feel like the also connects to the through, meaning we are going through the water, not by means of the water are we saved, through the water to our salvation which seems to flow into what he says next. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So they went through the flood waters mm-hmm. to be uh, still connected with God, find life in him. And we go through the waters of baptism in mm-hmm. our unity with Jesus. Yeah. Um, and so it's, I think that's a helpful way to just think about um, the preposition through in that moment, that the also connects us back. That in, so, in the way that it happened with Noah is in some way how it's happening now. And that is not, they got into the water to get saved. No, they were saved in spite of the water. They went through it to the other side of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. Yeah. It's actually the ark that saves them, not the, the water was yep. trying to do yeah. the opposite. Yep. <laughs> and that's what it seems to be saying about Jesus. Yeah. That we're in the water, in the baptism water, so to speak, as a symbol, but we're going through the waters Yeah. Um, and we're being united with Jesus. Yeah. Symbolic of life and death, but it's our unity with him that brings us to newness of life on the other there side. There it is. Yeah, there so, it is. So what a way of just saying it'd be the lowest common denominator is Christ's work. That's yep. what saves us. Like yeah. we can look at kind of some other people, but like if we were to simple it down fractions, yep. right? And just like yep. keep it what's simple. Water was a part of it, but only to bring you to the thing on the other side of it. There we go. And I, think, and I think that's what the connection is with, uh, with what Peter's saying. Boom. Stacia, hope that helps. You have another question? We'll hit it next week. Come back Excellent. next week, Stacia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come next week. We'll just keep rolling with it. Um, so we're going to now go into our continued look at and eval, review a little bit deeper of the message from the kingdom is like. In this Sunday, I just thought this message was so dang good. I mean, I'll admit, I'm a pastor. There's sometimes times I'm like, oh, that message was fine. And then this one, I'm like, 
Ah, oh, this is helpful. So you were good. in the second row twice, Adam. I no, saw only you. once. Oh, you were only there once. I was only there once. Must have been somebody else. Your ghost was there yeah. in the second. Yeah, I was there first service. Yeah, so good. You listened to it once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I had somebody at small group last night who served in the sound booth at the South Jordan campus, and he was. Uh, he, and it was funny. He was talking a lot more during group, and and I just poked fun at him. I'm like, I, you sat through both services, didn't you? And he's like, yeah, because he was in the sound booth, and he goes. It's actually kind of helpful <laughs> to, to listen to it twice. So yeah, yeah, it happens. It happens. Sometimes people want to hear the music twice. Rarely do they want to hear the sermon twice. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's talk about it. Yeah, I got I got some really wonderful feedback, Trevor. You you know you're the the one that orchestrated mo- most of this message, and um, really appreciated what you put together. Um, what uh, what stood out to you, Adam? I mean, as the guy who sat there and found yeah. it helpful, what uh, what'd you connect to? I mean, for me on a on a macro level, I think what was really helpful with these parables is that the kingdom. Um, it's like this thing that we can't quite uh, tangibly. Gra- it's hard to like kind of quantify it, mm-hmm. and yet these parables tell us in both of them that the kingdom is so much more valuable than we could ever imagine. So it's on the one hand, something that's hard to uh, maybe understand, or I don't know what to exactly make it black and white. Like this is exactly what it is. And at the same time, it is beyond our comprehension that we would drop everything and sell everything mm-hmm. um, to, to get it. So it's, it's kind of interesting. That's what, I, that was the main thing. Yeah, no, I, I uh, appreciate you, sh- you sharing that. Um, we started with just this con. There were a few concepts that were really important to me. Uh, as I was preparing for the message and just in my own life, the concept of treasure and the concept of exchanging your treasure and then the concept of treasuring Jesus supremely. And I think those three things working together are really crucial to the, to the passage. Um, you know, I made a point, we, biblical Christianity is about treasuring the one who treasured you. And I think it's important to consider that. Um, the exchange that the man made in the parable uh, works, uh, Trevor, I know you've been reading some marketing books and I know that it, when you talk about demand and value, those go hand in hand, but also beauty and joy go hand in hand. And so I think you see both that the man was willing to sell off his old life, mm-hmm. meaning he saw the value of the new life. And so it was demanding to obtain it. He had to sell off his old life. That was the demand, but he did it with joy because he saw the new thing is so beautiful. And I think Christianity is both. And I think there are people who grew up in religion who go, yeah, I need Jesus because I'm a sinner. Ah, fine, I'll trust him. Right, right. Well, that's that's true, <laughs> and that's knowing the demand. It's obligation. Yeah, it's knowing that I have a need. Yeah. Um, but what would make it so joyful? And, and I peeked into John three sixteen and seventeen. What's so joy? What produces such joy is the beauty that he willingly gave himself. That mm-hmm. that produces a lot of joy. Mm-hmm. And so um, those are some of the concepts I wanted us to to flush out. Is um, mm-hmm. talking about following Jesus in terms of your treasure the ultimate thing um, and then making an exchange of your old treasure for something new that you treasure. Can I just toss out since we're talking about things that we treasure? um, I so appreciate the vulnerability in my small group. So if you're in my my small group and you're listening to this, thank you uh, for this. Um, I had several people just mention one of the things that stuck out to them was that they treasure their family so much. Mm -hmm. And they, and, 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 you know, we've had one individual to say, I don't know if I'm ready to treasure God more than I treasure my family, mm. that's fair. Appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. that vulnerability. Yeah. I mean that 
I mean, we're, I mean, we're not just talking about my wife, my wife has said, we're not just talking about like selling my car, selling my house, selling my whatever, mm-hmm. like my family. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. That takes, wow. That is a, that is a lot to think through. Yeah. So what I really appreciate, I'm going to, we're going to connect to that point. Yeah. Is that we also looked and Trevor, I appreciate you highlighting this connection for our church. Matthew 13 connects to, um, yeah, it's Matthew 13. Yeah, Matthew 13 connects to Matthew 19, where you have this rich man who can't give up his previous treasure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and he walks away sad. And so um, I wanted to help people connect why they should treasure God more than something else. And of course, if anybody says, oh, that's easy, it's like you probably have an unhealthy relationship with your family to begin with. Oh, my Or goodness. your family doesn't mean that much to you. They're not that valuable to you. Yeah, yeah. Um. And yet Jesus challenged this man to sell all he has and give it away Mm -hmm. because he's trying to challenge this man to give up the thing that's become his God. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so when your family has become your God, though, we know that that produces bad fruit in the life of the family. Like if your kids are trying to make your life count, that's going to be a rough relationship with your kiddos. You know what I mean? (laughs) If you're, if you want your spouse to be your savior and and you treat them in ways as if they are your functional savior, Mm -hmm. your spouse is going to have a miserable time with you because they're not big enough. They weren't made to carry that load. Right. And so that's where this thing comes full circle that only if you treasure God supremely, do you actually have the most enjoyable relationship with your family possible? That's the, that's the link here. It seems backwards. almost. It does seem backwards. Yeah. But, when you ask any good thing to become a God thing, it mm-hmm. poisons the whole thing. Yeah. I think and, C.S. Lewis has a quote that any relationship elevated to the status of a God becomes a demon. Wow. Ooh, that's good. Why did I say that? That's, oh, that's, really, good. that's good. Hey, let me turn back to you, Eric, from your message. I can't remember exactly how you said this, but I thought that this was so good. Uh, in particular with this message, you essentially said something to this degree, and you can just say it the right way after I say it, but you were you were talking about how like, God doesn't want us to put something as our God for, for when tragedy strikes or something happens yeah. and that God can't sustain us through that. It's like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your fake God will fail you when you need it the most. That was it. Mm-hmm. Right so that, that's the point. And we've, we've, we've noticed that. Like I pour my whole life into my career, but when something else happens in my life, I can't run to my career because it can't solve that problem. It can't sustain me through that thing. Yeah. And so... Um, any fake God, false God will be a failing God for you. Only the eternal one, the timeless, all-sufficient, omniscient, all-knowing, all-powerful, from beginning to end God, can handle anything, literally anything life can throw your way. He can sustain you through yeah, and carry you through, up to and through death. And so... Um, mm-hmm. You know, if money's my God and I made billions, well, at some point I'll be, it'll be stripped from me. Mm-hmm. And if my marriage is my God and I have the best marriage in the world, uh, even that will be stripped away someday. And I'll be stripped away from my kids someday. Mm-hmm. And so on that day, I need more than my kids. On that day, I need more than my money. On that day, I need more than my accolades. On that day, I need a God who's beaten death. And that's what we have. So it makes the reasonable, logical sense that there's a God bigger than all our false gods. And we wanted to give people the idol detector test so that they wouldn't fall for that. I'm going to just yeah. bring Eric to small group next time. And I'll <laughs> like, okay, now Eric, say, say, say that, that thing. 
Hey, I can say it. I don't know if I can live it because I I got sure, vulnerable sure. about my eight year old's hockey career. Is my dad? Right I now. love that. Yeah, your God is living vicariously through your through. through I Jack. said, you know, I do love competition. I love sports. I love team, and also my hockey career was cut short. <laughs> so I feel yeah. this. You I gotta feel get this. it back. Idols arise out of wounds. <laughs> yeah, thank thank you. Wow, Trevor's on fire today. Um, so yeah, I, I think. Um, yeah, it's a sobering reality to just go, why would I build my life on something that ultimately can't carry me through every bit of my life? And, yeah. um, and then the irony is, but it's not the irony, it's the, uh, um, the paradox of the gospel is that only if I love God more than anything do I actually enjoy the things he's given me. Wow. Correctly. Yeah, because we're, we're trying to use something in a way that's not designed to be used. I don't yeah. know if that's the best way to say it. It but. is, it is. See, if God's my God and not my kid, then when my kid misbehaves, it hurts, but it doesn't crush my heart. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, my, if God's my God and not my job, when I lose my job, it hurts. Mm-hmm. But I, don't, I haven't lost my identity. Yeah. And, yeah. and we can go on and on down that road. Yeah. If, if you, know, you're, you run ultra marathons and that's your God and all of a sudden you have an injury, now you're, you're crushed, you know? Yeah. Or you can go, I have another God who's with me through the injury and I just enjoy running or I enjoy my kids or I enjoy whatever as a gift. Well, now I'm, now I'm, uh, what would be, I'm anti-fragile. I'm not, I'm not as crushable, yeah, so, so to yeah. speak. And so the two words I used um, to help beat idols are the words uh, help and thanks. So whatever you're going with, going through when mm-hmm. the idol detector comes up um, and you go, wow, I have turned Jack's hockey career into an idol. I can pause and just thank God for it. So thanks. Mm properly prioritizes the situation. God, you've given this to me as a gift. It's a good thing. And I'm thankful for your gift, which ultimately makes him better than it. Yeah. If you're saying thanks for something, there's someone supreme who's gifted you the thing. And with the bad thing, when you say help, it's, I know someone can help means they're more powerful than this thing I'm facing. Mm -hmm. They can be capable and competent in that area. So help and thanks are these two really simple words that I think shatter some idolatry. And so, um, I prayed help and thanks a lot. That is good. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to take that. That is good. Yeah. 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 I loved, by the way, I did love the idolatry test, which I know we've, we kind of uh, brought back around from a few years ago or something. Yeah. I don't know who to properly give credit to for that. I think JD Greer has a section in his book on, on that. And then, um, Paul Roby in his, uh, workbook on the FDFD life has a section on that. Uh, I think Tim Keller and counterfeit gods has a section on that. So I think it's, been adapted so much that I don't even know who's whose it is anymore, but it's super helpful. Yeah, I I, I felt like it. Uh, it I mean, it not only gave me clarity because um, you know I sit through service and I think, gosh, what is the idol in in my life? And then uh, even more so, I got to talk with my wife too and like asked her, what did you think about the idol? And she's like, I I mean, first question in, I was like, I know where this is going. I know what my idol is, and that is helpful. I think that's the beautiful thing about the gospel is we don't have to necessarily be like afraid of, of like, it is okay to be able to look, it's okay to be a pastor and look at this idolatry test and be like, yeah, yeah I know what my, what my idol is. Well, like, if you don't mind, do you yeah. feel comfortable sharing a little bit of mm-hmm. that? Cause, yeah. cause Trevor, I know in your message, you shared a little bit, um, around, um, reading and books and you just did, you just yeah. did a nice job. <laughs> Um, would you mind sharing? <laughs> I wish mine could sound as good as Trevor's. I just love books. <laughs> I'm just, but it's not books. It's because of what yeah. books give you. It's the rush, the high that they that they deliver yeah. later yeah. on. On they the flip side, right? Feed a false identity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm just wondering, guys, if you don't mind a little vulnerability here, what mm-hmm. what would be an idol that you've 
Yeah. Um, Detected. You know, essentially, when I looked at mine and it was questions, um, yeah, it was like questions one through four really made it super clear. Question five was fine, but it wasn't probably as clear. But questions one through four for me um, that I uh, talked about a group as well is safety and security Mm. are my idols. And then somebody in our group said, um, and I think uh, appropriately so, he said, Oh yeah, that's for me too. I call them health and employment. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, that's it. Yeah. I hope that, what is one thing you hope for most in your future? Health. Safety, security, health, employment. Yeah. What is one thing that you most worry about losing? Health, employment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the thing you've sacrificed the most for? Health, employment. What is it that you hope people, uh, what is it that, oh, maybe it's not question four, sorry. But anyways, like that, that's for me. Um, mm-hmm in a simple way. So how would safety and security lie to you as a false God? That is a great question. Um, yeah, it's kind of this illusion of like somehow if I can keep the house of cards up, Mm -hmm. um, then everything will be great. And it's this, and, and, and at the same time, it's like totally ignoring the fact that like, I can't keep the house of cards up. I'm I'm out of, I am not in control of so many things. Yes. And, um, but yet it gives me that illusion. I look towards, I'm like, that's what I want. That's what I want in my future. Mm-hmm. I can actually control that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's fantastic. You're right. That is an illusion and they're great things to have and work for. Sure. It's an honorable way to build a flourishing society. Mm-hmm. And yet if they're the ultimate thing, mm-hmm. um, then you are giving the, um, what would I say? You're giving the, um, joy, contentment, salvation of your life over to something that ultimately can't save you, you know? Yeah. And God doesn't want you to make that mistake, which is why Jesus got so real with that, with that rich individual. Like you're going to have to give this up. Yeah. 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 Have you ever purposely given up safety and security just to see what it feels like? Uh, <laughs> oh, man. No, that's a good question. I don't know. We got some layoffs coming up. So, <laughs> some what? <laughs> layoffs. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm totally joking. Bad, bad joke. That is not true. Not true. But fasting, for, you know, yeah, like yeah. there are things, and Adam, I know you well. You are a sacrificial person. <clears throat> there are things that you do that um, tell yourself, that reminds you this isn't my idol. I, like, mm-hmm. I know how you live. And so. Mm-hmm. I see that, but have you ever in other ways purposely, you know, uh, what would I say? Purposely uh, shot some arrows at those false gods just to make sure they're not living anymore. I, I don't think I have. Hmm. Yeah. I, and, and what's funny is I think I, it's probably over the last year or two that I've discovered that these are definitely my idols. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I don't know if I've gotten quite to the spot of saying, how do I directly, mm-hmm. or I like that analogy, shoot the arrows at them. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll just say this, and I think I think I'm not like outing you on the podcast, Adam. No, you've placed some really healthy boundaries into your work life recently, mm-hmm. because you know it, there's a limit to what that can give you. Yeah, and so people who are desperate for more at work because more at work means more security mm. Uh, mm. have boundary troubles at work. The fact that you're putting boundaries into your life um, tells me that you're growing comfortable knowing that thing's not your thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny, actually. Is I, I'd say that that's correct. And it's just more, I, I thought of it more more holistically. I've been growing and being more healthy, and that's part of that. Yeah. But hey, inadvertently, that's uh, yeah. taking, taking some arrows at those yeah. false idols. Yeah, workaholics um, usually have an idol going on somewhere else. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Being, I'm one to talk, trust me. Like, um, 
<laughs> yeah, for me, the more successful the thing is I lead, the more I'm worth too. You know what I mean? That's yeah. my that's an idol I've had to wrestle down over the years. Yeah. And so a workaholic is, well, the more I work, the more I'll I'll produce, and um, then the more I produce, the more I'm worth. And that's actually not true. Yeah. Um, and so uh, the Sabbath, by the way, which is woven throughout the Bible, is a perfect example of this. That I'm mm. Sabbath is a way to fight off the idol of. Um, Production means I'm worth something, but it's mm-hmm. also a way to fight off the idol of, oh, I need to be rested to be more productive. <laughs> it <Yeah>. literally <laughs> fights off idols on both sides of the equation, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyways. Wow. Yeah. No, Jack's hockey as the idol is a is a, is a safe one on the stage. It's like <laughs> yeah, sure. not all that serious. Sure, I, sure. I definitely could have bared, bared my soul, bore my soul. Bore, uh, bared. That's Trevor. Yeah, Trevor. Uh, shown. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I could have revealed my soul a little bit more, more than that, but... Trevor, anything you would say to the idol detector test in your own life, or maybe just explain how you explain it in the message, because I didn't get to hear your message. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, well, I talked about reading, <clears throat> and I kind of made a joke of it, because, um, you know, not everyone in, enjoys reading, um, and so, but the reason that uh, books would be difficult for me to give up is because intelligence can be an idol for me, um, and that it's a way that I uh, define my identity, see my, understand my worth or my value, and... So books help feed that, right? Mm-hmm. And um, yes, I think one of the interesting things is one thing I've noticed is when a friend of mine gets like a, a new degree, especially if it's like a, a degree that I don't have, mm-hmm. uh, that bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, like I want to be happy for him, and yeah. I also want one myself. <laughs> Where's mine? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, oh, I love you, thing. Trevor. You're, you're great. Thanks, man. Right, right is that not you. your struggle, Adam? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> And uh, what what one thing do you most hope is in your future? There are several things I hope for. I I know I'll be disappointed if I die without having written a book I'm proud of. Okay. Oh, oh, yeah. All right. That makes sense. I want to read your book, you know? Thanks, man. I don't have anything yet. Oh, okay. What would you (laughs) write? I don't know. I just know I'll be disappointed if that happens. And Mm. I think that that in and of itself is like, that's an idol. Mm. Why why Mm. do I need to... Why do I need to write a book that I feel good about to have a satisfying life? I don't. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah. There's, it's uh, the truth is I'd probably write it, be done with it. Maybe I'd feel good about it. But on the other side, if I actually, if I actually le- like leaned into those hopes surrounding it, I'd get to the other side basically to be like, well, that that was like far less satisfying than mm-hmm. I ever thought sure. it was going to be. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, it's a lie, yeah. but it's one that uh, has some emotional roots within my heart. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. That's the dark side of a hope like that. What's the positive side of that hope? Because I'd love to read. I mean, God's gifted you as a writer and a thinker. Mm-hmm. I'd love to read your book. I'm sure it'd be amazing, whatever book you have in you. Um, <laughs> and that is the positive side, is that God has given us the ability to work and lead and write and, and things yep. like that in a good way. So how do you balance that? That on the one hand, it would be bad if it's my God. On another hand, it really is a good thing to write a book that the world could benefit from? Yeah. No, that's a really good question. Um, I think on the one hand, it's keeping it in its right place, right? Like uh, going back to those two words you said, help and thanks. Like, yeah. Thanks um, helps keep it properly positioned. Yeah. And the other thing I've tried to lean into is just to not force it mm-hmm. because there's other responsibilities I've committed to that I just uh, are more important to me. Um, like there, I, I don't want to... I don't want to write a book I'm, I'm happy about and like 
screw up my marriage yep. or mm. have my kids grow up and be like, where, where were you? Yeah. You know, those things matter a whole lot more. Yeah. And uh, just reminding myself about that. Sometimes you can like get into this almost like um, you can work yourself up emotionally and forget about what matters. And so just taking a deep breath <laughs> and reminding yourself uh, of what really is important. What are the most important responsibilities that I've been entrusted with? And if I get the chance to do this at a certain point, um, I'm like, I would love that and it'd be wonderful. And these things are, are where my focus is right now. Yep. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's just wisdom. Such good wisdom to see both sides of it. And then you can walk through it better. I mean, that's kind of the reality is like, you've Mm got to be aware of it. If you don't know that you have this enemy over here, well, look out when you get ambushed by it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, And that's what we're trying to prevent is detect your idol before your idol, you know, destroys you. Yeah. And I think that again, is the very cool and unique thing about the gospel. In contrast to religion, I think religion a lot of times is like, I mean, don't look over your shoulder. You're not sure what you'll find back there. Like, I'm going to keep just doing, 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 and um, trying to achieve as much as I can and make sure I'm checking the boxes. I don't really want to, yeah, I don't really want to look at who maybe I really am. Um, but I think the gospel gives us freedom to do that. Um, and it's like, hey, like, it's okay to look into, to, explore that and to yep. understand yourself more <laughs> yeah. and know, know where you're at with that. No, totally. And and I think you do need to understand your understand yourself because certainly a lot of our listeners and even us, like, you know, decades maybe of not even knowing it was an idol that you were trying to worship and keep happy until yeah. someone explained that to you or until God in his grace woke you up, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the scary thing is, man, I was striving for this for so long only to discover I was expecting it to save me, and I and I could it it can't. Yeah, and I think that's the interesting thing between the contrast of the the man in the parable and the man in uh, that Jesus actually poses the ultimatum to, who can't do it, walks away mm-hmm. sadly, because an idol it it has like it wreaks havoc on your life, increasingly, always demanding more, always delivering less, and in the end, it always kind of chews you up and spits you out. Mm. Um, but I almost feel like the guy in the parable is probably on the other side of that. And he's like, I know that there's nothing to like, um, that these are lies, they're false promises, that there's nothing of value in this. And that's why he recognizes the hidden treasure for what it is, is the Mm. one thing that he really has been looking for. Whereas I wonder if the wealthy young man, if up until that point in his life, his wealth had been working for him. Yeah. Mm, That if the idol hadn't really, uh, revealed itself in a way that was, um, evident to him and in, in mm-hmm. the impact it was having on his life. Yeah. I appreciate that. As you were saying, that, I was just thinking of this idea that like your false God, um, it, it doesn't love you. Like mm-hmm. why worship a God that doesn't love you Yeah, and is only going to take from you? Um, mm-hmm. because, uh, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to do that. I wouldn't want to wake up one day and realize I loved something that was using me and abusing me. And that's, yeah. that's kind of what's going on here with an idol. Mm-hmm. There's something interesting I'm just thinking about. Uh, this relates to this, maybe a little bit off, but I think it might be helpful to think about too. It's interesting how powerful your, uh, your I'll call it your mind's eye is about certain things in both your idols and your um, the th- the, maybe the things that you fear. Um, I've realized this myself. The anticipation of things I think are going to be awful usually aren't as bad as I think. Yeah. And then idols, I'm like, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for this. Yeah. I can't wait to have this, to experience this or whatever. And then you get to and you're like, oh, I really built that up a lot more than, <laughs> than it was. Yeah. Uh, it's just an interesting concept. You know, I've written on this before and even preached on it before. You see it 
primary you see it in one area of life you see it very vividly in a short snapshot and i call it the vacation void the vacation is the place you see this play out in like a five to seven day window because for months you're thinking i just can't wait to get there yes and then you get there and you're like counting down the days until it's over (laughs) which which already robs you of some of the joy and then it's over and you got to go back and I've been on vacation planning my next vacation because I don't want to go back. Yeah, yeah. And, and in all of that, <clears throat> you place too much hope on your vacation. Yeah. And by doing so, it actually takes away from the enjoyment of the vacation. But I've always said the best vacation is the one you don't need. <laughs> That's the best vacation because <laughs> oh, wow. you're not asking for more from it than it can deliver. Yeah. And so the vacation is a spot where you can pinpoint idle idle themes idle trajectories in your life in a five yeah. to seven day and you're spending a ton of money on it and you're like I, so i've already sold out to this thing it's a very interesting um thing in the western world is how much we put on our vacations and i you know yeah. you meet people who are like oh, i just need a, I just need a vacation and it's like why do you need one and i get why mm-hmm. but the best vacation is the one you don't need so yeah. um wow. i like that but but then the point back to why would i love a false god that doesn't love me that's why it's not enough to just say jesus is more valuable y- you have to see that jesus treasured you mm. treasures the one who treasured you so it's easy to give your life away to someone who's safe so back to what your idol gives you adam security significance trevor mm-hmm. in my life uh passion or purpose mm-hmm. all those things we're after he actually delivers on Right. In a lasting way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he treasured each of us. He's good. Uh, it's a good that lasts forever, unlike the fleeting vacation. So you put all that together. And I think um, when you see how much he treasures you, it makes it very easy to treasure him in return. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Wow. Very cool. Man. Man, that is the, uh, man, I hope that was helpful to everybody. That uh, being able to walk through, uh, yeah, just, the whole concept, I think, was was really great. And again, thought the message on Sunday was great. So if you haven't watched that yet and you want more, make sure you go on YouTube and, and catch that as well. Yeah, upcoming this week, we have the parable of the... Pearl. The pearl. Very similar, yeah. but different in a couple ways, and you'll see why. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, we will answer another question next week and go through that parable. So make sure to be looking out for when this drops on Wednesdays. Appreciate you being here today with us, and we will see you again next week. Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted Podcast. If you enjoyed this hopeful and helpful resource, we'd love to have you leave us a review or share an episode with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit us at our website at smccutah.org. Thank you for trusting us with your time, and we look forward to having you back again soon.